Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And this week, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse just came out, the long-awaited sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from the creative minds of Phil Lord and Chris Miller, of whom Jeff and I are both very big fans of. And we were also very big fans of the first Spider-Verse movie, personally my favorite movie of all time. And this episode was very exciting for us to record because it is quite a movie, as you'll see once we get started here. But first, we're going to listen to a select piece from the Spider-Verse soundtrack produced by Metro Boomin, who I really like. He's a great producer. And we are going to get the show on the road right after that. So sit back, relax, and buckle up, buckaroos. Save you, I give all of me. Yeah, I can hear you screaming out, calling me. It's my fault, major fault. So to save you, I give my all. Just to save you, I give. Welcome back to another episode of Classic Movies Live. This is a sequel to our episode from like two weeks ago, uh, because we're talking about a sequel to the movie that we talked about two weeks ago. I know I was very excited for this, uh, Pierre. Have you seen, did you see uh, Across the Spider-Verse on the first or on the second day it was out? The first day, if the first day is the Thursday, then yes, I saw it on the Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I was just checking. I was hoping there was no Wednesday showings. I I mean, I wanted there to be Wednesday showings, but I was, I've been considering it. Yeah. I think this one technically starts maybe like a couple of months after the first one and then like really gets going about a year afterwards and it's the i guess it's it's the continuation of mostly because we have like three main characters and i'd say the original uh spider-verse mm-hmm. movie this one is much more focused on i actually uh, gwen I, I i'd almost say gwen's the main character of this movie yeah i would say like yeah and so it this one's interesting because it like starts with Gwen and like it doesn't really it kind of sticks with her for it, it sticks with her solidly for like a half an hour and like it then it sort of becomes about Miles but it really is like mm-hmm. it's almost more Gwen's story for most of it. Well, I'd, I'd say she's the one with like an arc. I, this okay, this is a weird movie because it's it's very much a part one movie. Hmm. Which I think makes sense because it was initially announced as part one and part two um, before I think them realizing that part one and part two movies don't sell as well anymore. Or I don't think they ever, I don't know if they ever sold well. It's just something they tried. Putting uh, the name on there is never a great idea. Yeah, exactly. Not even Dune. Dune was, uh, Dune was technically a part one, but it was nowhere near the mark the part one was nowhere near the marketing until you were sitting in the movie watching it I think, yeah right? exactly i'm pretty yeah. sure yeah <laughs> so yeah which i don't really blame studios for like it's it's i feel like it's kind of throwing money away at a point where you're saying this isn't a full movie i don't know do you, do you want to tell us a bit about what what happens yeah so this one uh it picks up like it does pick up like I guess significantly after the first one, but really it like continues the story pretty directly because everything in this movie happens as a result, 
at least indirectly, of the big collider explosion that happened in the first Spider-Verse movie. And as a result of that, uh, the multiverse is in shambles. There's little multiverse events that keep happening that are no good. So, uh, what's his name? Miguel O'Hara, the Spider-Man of 2099, Mm -hmm. goes through the multiverse and assembles a team of Spider-People to fix the multiverse and like keep it from keep keep it from falling apart and um gwen early on has a pretty significant event happen which i guess is probably spoilers so i'll avoid it right away but she has a pretty significant event happen in her universe that she doesn't want to deal with so she becomes one of the spider people who goes around to other other universes and fixes things and uh, because she can move between universes freely now, she really wants to find a way to get back to Miles, who also wants to really find a way, who also really wants to find a way to get back to her. So it ends up being so like uh, more shenanigans happen when she is finally able to like get back to Miles's universe. And it becomes like where the first one had a lot of brought a lot of Spider-Man from like other universes into Miles's universe. This one sort of explores the idea of, you know, people going into other universes. It like doesn't all take place in just one universe anymore, which is kind of a natural yeah. progression from the first one, I think. It makes sense. It, it felt like what I expected Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness to be more of which yeah. was, you know, involved more than like one other multi, one other universe. Or I guess it was two technically, but they were all like based in New York and just very similar. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, like, I'm sure I'll throw more shade on that movie later down the line. But like <laughs> the 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 problem with that movie, too, is when that when like Doctor Strange took us to a different universe, it took us to a universe where there was a building with a very big room that five people could sit in comfortably, which is cool. But like in this movie, all of the universes that were there, even if they were relatively like inconsequential felt lived in and felt like there was a bunch of people there. Like uh, my favorite one is one we'll talk about, but it felt huge, even though it was also just one city. Like each universe was very different. Like we, we look at the, there's the futuristic New York. I mean, a lot of them are technically still New York, right? Yeah. But yeah, like just the the sheer amount of uh, of work in the art styles and the animation and even this like color grading and stuff is just is like remarkable. And it really helps flesh out each universe very quickly, even though, you know, we don't spend too much time in each one. I'd say there's like five different ones we spend time with in, in this movie and uh, so some of them are more similar than others, obviously, but all of them have very, un- have very unique uh, styles artistically. Yeah. And uh, I, th- I think that just really adds to it. Like the, the, <laughs> oh, damn, I'm going to bring up Dr. Strange again. Dr. Strange is just kind of like, like we're going to, we're going to shift the lighting. We're going to shift the color saturation a bit on this scene. And uh and people will walk on red instead of green, and that was like the, that was like the difference between. That is like a f- oh, and pizza was is... like pizza balls, not pizza, which was okay. Yeah, I mean, 
that's a very Sam Raimi approach to alternate universes, to be fair. Just like, oh, they walk <laughs> on red instead of green. Yeah, I don't know. It is kind of funny. It's it's almost like like I, I like Multiverse of Madness is kind of like a spoof of this concept where it's like, whoa, <laughs> different universe, crazy. Um, but yeah, no, there there was a lot of work. I mean that that was a big. It seems like that was a big focus of the the art artistic style this time. Instead of you know the first one was bringing a lot of different styles of art into for, for characters into one world. Mm-hmm. Um, this was developing other worlds more visually with that those specific art styles too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like obviously with the characters too. There was a lot of there was a lot more ambition. I I read for one character. I think is Spider Punk or something. He, yeah, Spider Punk, uh, Hobie Brown. Like, the styling of his character took like three years to plan out. Like I I'm I'm sure it, it seems like they had one team specifically for his art style to develop for the like for the past three years. So I think yeah, that's really I mean cool. I can believe that for sure. Yeah. They really took a lot of what worked in the first Spider-Verse and up to the up the ante, I guess, you know. Not just uh, story wise, but visually the visual spectacle was really, really good. And and they uh yeah they they really took it they took it away. You kind of just like said the said the high level of it, but in terms of the visuals, what did you think of this movie? Because like, I, I I have some thoughts on the visuals, but what did you think of it visually? Um. Uh, okay. Well, I feel like I have to get something out of the way. I didn't love this movie. <laughs> I okay. thought it was a solid movie. I know Jeff loves it. I I know you loved it. Um, and uh, I know a lot of people loved it. I like it. I like it. Mm. I think it's a great movie. I was a little disappointed, though. I'm not gonna lie. I was pretty disappointed. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, so I just, I just want to put that out of the way from the start. Uh, what was the question? Visually? Yeah, visually, what do you think of this movie? I thought it was really good. I think parts of it were a little messy. It was mm. very maximalist and maximalist, and I think some aspects worked very well. Other aspects didn't like there's a couple scenes like they um like with the vulture at the start of the movie i don't know Mm -hmm. that's not really a spoiler it's like in the first five minutes not not really um they it's like a vulture from the renaissance era so he's written on he's drew he's drawn on parchment paper which is a really cool uh it's a really cool concept and i i love the styling of it I thought it looked a little messy, if that makes sense. It was just mm-hmm. like, sometimes it was like a lot, you know, and I wasn't really clear on what exactly was happening at certain points because of what I will admit is a very ambitious. I respect that they did that a lot. Do I think it worked as well as it could have? No, but I'm happy they put it in there too. Um, and I, I just felt that way a lot in the movie where it just felt like there was a lot visually going on. And I respect that a lot, but I think, it was a little too maximalist for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think like I got the, I found it really hard to watch at certain points because like, I really, really liked how all of the different worlds had their different, all the worlds and all the characters had their own like unique style. So that, you know, when we were seeing a Gwen Stacy story, for, for instance, it was like very clearly a Gwen Stacy story and like unmistakably so. And all of the way that the world and the entire world was built around like 
emphasizing her specific story for that. And like Miles had his own art style and Spider-Man 2099 had his own thing. And they all had their own, like they all had their own stuff going on. And the art for all of them was like the, the art around not just the characters, but the worlds where it was, where it made sense, like fed into that person's story, which I thought was really cool and very ambitious. This movie doesn't like, I think I said this about the first movie too. This movie, again, doesn't look like any other movie I've ever seen. But also, like, because there was so much going on visually, a lot of times it just felt, like, almost exhausting to see in some points. Because it's just, like, you're trying to track so much. You're trying to, like, keep track of Mm -hmm. everything that's on the screen. And sometimes the way that they would do the colors, like, in, in the Gwen Stacy scenes, sometimes it was, like, the, the art style itself was very swimmy and watercolory in a way where mm-hmm. like it was very confusing for me to watch sometimes. Like I didn't even know, mm-hmm. I don't think my brain knew how to process some of those images. So I thought it was mm-hmm. like, it was like a lot and I respect it a lot and I actually liked it a lot, but it's like hard for me to even think back on because I get exhausted even like remembering looking at that screen. <laughs> Yeah, the, like I love the concept because I don't. We didn't really get much of a look at Gwen's world in the first one, so this one was cool. With the, it, it was very like uh, very obviously watercolor inspired, at least backgrounds, mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, I just yeah, it was a little busy. Like I, I wish it was more subtle. There were some scenes where it's like something emotional is happening, and I love the effect of like the water, like the paint kind of trickling down more um if something was like emotional you know i thought that was really cool uh there was some parts where i think they would like the color the color palette would shift very heavily like one way or another and um the angle would shift very heavily too uh in a scene and it just there was a couple cuts where it just felt very jarring Mm -hmm. um and it's like i wish those emotional beats were allowed to play out a little more without the movie feeling the need to portray it very artistically, you know, that, that there's, there's a couple of moments that I felt like a little less would have been more. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. There, there's stuff like that. I thought, I thought that that world was, that was uh, especially annoying for me. I thought the other, the other worlds were better done though. I think uh, I was like Mumbatan was it Mumbat? I think Mumbaton that's what, yeah. or something. Something was, like that. It's, it's well. Mumbai I, I, and Manhattan like squished together yeah yeah okay um i thought that was more well done i think there was a art style change but it was more subtle and so it was i it was allowed i thought i was allowed to enter that world and not feel the need to adjust so i could just Mm -hmm. enjoy what was happening if that makes sense but i it, it did more like like the the art style and the color palette and stuff did a lot more in terms of like it was like background storytelling. Whereas I feel like in Gwen's world, it was very much like, it wasn't subtle at all, if that makes sense. It's like, if something mm-hmm. sad was happening, then everything's dripping down. You get these really harsh colors. And uh, that was like a little much for me. So, yeah. yeah. And like, I I don't know. I respect it artistically. I don't know that I necessarily would have wanted to see Gwen's world be concrete the same way that like Miles's and... Um, Mumpatan were but like it was it was a bit much in a lot of places Mm -hmm. but there was one other 
thing. Oh, Spider, we we're talking about Spider Punk. I didn't really understand what he was doing half the time. <laughs> like, like again, the animation for him was amazing, but in action scenes, I could not follow what what he was doing. Um, he was like hanging around, yeah. shit talking all the time. That was pretty much his goal yeah. in life. Yeah, I loved I loved his character. I think um, uh, there was a lot of potential there, and I loved I I loved how he's introduced. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, there was another thing. I don't know if you noticed this, but for me, there was a lot of mixing issues, uh, dialogue wise. I don't know if you got that at all in your theater. But I was reading. I'm... It was reading. It wasn't just my theater. Some other people noticed that. I don't recall anything in my theater, but I have also read that. Okay. Yeah, there so. was a uh, a couple moments where, uh, like this, the Gwen monologue at the beginning, I I didn't pick up on a lot of that because the the music she's playing drums, I think, in the intro, and yeah. the drums. She was very good at playing drums, <laughs> but the uh, the the mixing on that wasn't good. I couldn't really hear what she was saying under the drums. And it was kind of the same thing with Spider Punk. I think I would have loved his character a lot more, if, but I I rarely understood what he was saying, and I don't know if that was just because of his accent, but I don't even remember what accent he had. So like I don't know how much of an issue his accent was. It was just I couldn't hear him that much. It was very much just Daniel Kaluuya's normal voice, like with the, okay. the heavy British okay, cool. accent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I think it's just there was a mixing issue there too. I I didn't even know it was Daniel Kaluuya until after way after the movie um i don't know if that's so think, maybe a testament to his maybe he's a great voice actor <laughs> maybe that's why i i'm gonna say i think this movie would go up for you a bit on a rewatch just based on the mixing stuff because i didn't have any mixing issues and like that would have been yeah. that would have been pretty brutal if i had so yeah i don't know if like yeah. that's the only issue you had with the movie but i think that like that it, you'd probably like it better if you could understand it yeah I think, yeah, there, there's a few. I think I will love this movie a lot more when we get the second part. I know, I don't know if that's just a me thing. I hate, I, I, we talked about this with Dune. I really don't like part one movies, at least, especially when it's not, I guess this one you could assume it was a part one movie, like going in. Yeah. Um, because like, you know, like the second movie is coming out pretty soon. It was initially advertised as a part one, part two. Mm -hmm. um i just prefer to know going in and also like for sure and then also i don't well we'll see how the story plays out it's really hard for me to tell right now like i probably won't give this a rating after because i just i feel like i got half a movie and yeah um in my opinion there are better ways to do a part part one movie i've seen better examples like i'd say infinity war and endgame are kind of a part one and part two right um, yeah but infinity but, war feels like a complete story yeah like everyone has a character arc there's a very clear three-act structure in that movie when you leave that theater it's left on a cliffhanger because you know obviously it's 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 a down note and we don't know what the characters are going to do to win in the end uh but i still felt satisfied leaving that theater being like i watched a movie you know um, yeah and it's the same thing like there's other examples i don't really remember i haven't seen deathly hollows for a while so i can't really use that as an example um but like lord of the rings it's a three-parter of like it's a three-parter movie i'd say um i'd say each movie has 
a very clear structure. And even though like, you know, obviously they're not finishing, they're not destroying the ring in the first two movies, both, both the first two movies feel very concise and they have like, it's like a chapter in that story, you know? Yeah. Um, Spider-Verse very much felt like they made a five hour movie and they were like, we're going to cut it halfway through. Like it's even the small things like the, the intro is like, I want to say Gwen's intro is like 15 minutes, right? Before the actual Spider-Verse title comes in. Like a 15 minute intro makes a lot of sense for like a four hour movie, you know? Uh Like when you're pacing it with like, if, if the intro, which has relatively little to do with Miles' story is happening in a two, two hour, 10, 20 minute movie. That's a very big chunk that like feels disconnected from the main story, if that makes sense. I mean, it's connected, mm-hmm. but it's just like that intro makes a lot more sense, will make a lot more sense when you watch the full thing. And um, yeah, like I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right about them just like creating a longer movie and then cutting it in half, because mm-hmm. uh, I, I read an interview with either Lord or Miller. I think it was Christopher Miller. Um, and he was saying that like when they were conceptualizing this, they were writing one movie and the movie kept getting bigger and bigger. And eventually they were like, we need two movies. So I think this really is like envisioned as a singular sequel. That's just a four hour movie. Um, and like, I definitely came out of this thinking in the future, like one year from now, if I were to rewatch, if I want to rewatch the entire Spider-Verse trilogy, I would watch the first movie and then I would watch the second and the third movie basically as one movie because I'm going to probably consider them as one movie. Because, you know, um, mm-hmm. like the examples you were saying, all the examples you were saying that are like, they're a part one or a part two of however many, but like they don't feel cliffhangery in the same way. Like Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's at the very end, it's like, there's still more to this story, but they have finished the story they were telling. Like Lord of the Rings one ends, I think with a funeral, like it ends with a funeral and then people splitting up and going their separate ways, which feels like an ending. Like it's an open ending, but it's definitely an ending where this like was definitely a cliffhanger versus, uh, you know, as opposed to that, like it didn't actually have an ending. It had, uh, you know, if this was a TV show, it would be the ending of an episode, but with the expectation that there's more and in this we know there's more but still yeah well that like that's so like i uh, that's why it's hard to just because i loved watching the movie and i would have loved you know i i was not tired at the two hour 20 minute mark i could have like if they released this as like a four hour five hour movie i'm i'm very sure i could have watched the whole thing and not felt tired by it because it's what they showed us so far is very good you know it's just it's it's really tough for me to to say I loved watching this part because we we're getting very little of the actual story. Like Miles hasn't really changed as a character at all so far. Like I'd say that like I'd say like the big the kind of climax of this movie is well okay we're just gonna say you want to get into spoilers? Yeah, this is a spoiler warning right yeah, here. Yeah, so this is a spoiler warning. Okay. If you don't want spoilers, um, it's right here. Here's spoilers. Right here. here it is. Uh, so when he's, I'd say the, the sort of what they kind of framed as a climax was him confronting, you know, 2099 at the end and escaping. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that is kind of like, 
that feels more like a uh, like I mean that's I, I'd say that's like in a regular movie that is exactly like I feel like the the middle of the second act kind of twist if that makes sense where it's like he wanted all he wanted in the first act was to join this spider verse and then he realizes what it is and then I feel like very early in the second movie we're gonna see the low point of the entire plot at, at the end of the second act um but yeah they, they tried to frame the 2099 miles morales confrontation as like the climax of this movie and it doesn't really work for me because miles again miles didn't really have to change at all to get to that point 2099 doesn't really pose i don't know how to say it it's like miles kind of made a he didn't make a joke out of the spider organization, but he he got away, you know. And mm -hmm. twenty ninety nine, I think we're gonna see in the in in the final act of the actual story, as at his full potential, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas here, we just he had like Miles had to get away because that's like you can't tell the full story if Miles gets caught by twenty ninety nine, you know. Right. Um, that's just the way it had to be story-wise. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. That's not any, there's no emotional revelation. That's why like, I'd say Gwen is kind of the main character of this movie because she's the only one that actually kind of has a character arc mm -hmm. um, where she, you know, she starts off and we see her leaving her dad and then she comes back and she talks to her dad and she's finally being honest and she's being honest with herself in that I think her realization in this movie is that she doesn't have to, to be alone and uh because she has her dad you know and that's and she can change the her future mm -hmm. um it's not set in stone so and I, I like that i like those aspects it's just you know i wish they framed that as as a movie on its own you know Catch oh you. there's lots of we could talk about elements we like i don't know is there, is there, is there anything else you want to like dish on before we we go <laughs> I do want to talk like mo most of the stuff that I really want to talk about is like the characters and the themes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't really have that much to complain about in this movie other than the things that you've already brought up or that I've already brought up. Like I also, mm -hmm. you know, the specific, the specific circumstances at which I went to the movie theater this time were less than ideal because uh, we went at six, a fire alarm got pulled half an hour in and we restarted the movie at 10.15. So it would have been difficult oh, for wow. me to sit through a four-hour movie starting at 10.15. But, like, if this was a four-hour <laughs> movie and we'd been able to d watch it when we start when I started, yeah, I would have stuck around for the whole thing because I also mm. would prefer to just see the entire thing. I don't want to have to wait mm. until March. And, like... I'm, I obviously can't plan that far in advance, but I hope that like when we do our episode on in March, I have the opportunity to like watch this as a double feature with the, with the new one. Cause I would be like, that's how I want to see this movie. Mm. Yeah. I, I feel like, like you have to, I don't know. I, I would say it's, it's pretty important. Um, mm -hmm. um but yeah, like, I was, I was, I was amped up. I was amped up when it ended and I was like very excited and I was hope I kept checking. That's the thing too. I was like anxious. I was checking my watch because I was like, "There's no way, there's no way you're gonna, they're gonna wrap this up." And I was hoping for some kind of like resolution, but no, they they really just cut it like in the middle of a scene. And okay, that's another thing. I didn't. Oh, there. Okay, there's a couple things. Can I rant about quick? Go for it. Go for it. Okay, I didn't love Gwen in this movie that much. 
I thought I thought I loved her character in the first one. I think this one they kind of made her into like like a lovey dovey like side character, you know. I liked that it was kind of like just like Miles Hannah had a crush for her, but she was they were just friends. Now it's like they're really playing up the romance aspect of it. And I don't really love that, if I'm going to be honest. I thought they had a mm-hmm. cute relationship, like friendship in the first one, where it was like he was kind of flirty with her, but she was obviously like, I thought she was just more mature and uh, they weren't on the exact same wavelength. But this one, like her her risking the multiverse to spend a few hours with him, like that felt very out of character for her in the mm-hmm. first movie. I guess it kind of makes a little more sense when we catch up with her and see she's still lonely. But like the the whole point of her character in the first one was that Miles helped her open up as a person and be able to she like she show her that she's not alone and that she can make new friends, right? But when yeah. she picks up in this movie, we just see she's still very lonely, and the only lesson she learned is that Miles is the only one that understands her. And it's like, what? Like that's <laughs> not that's not the lesson that should have been picked up. You know, it shouldn't yeah. be that. Miles is the only one in this multiverse for you. It's that you you can learn and grow as a person. So I didn't like her character in this. And the other thing is, yeah, the twist at the end with Miles being the was it the Prowler. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't like how they were playing it out because like it was very obvious he was the Prowler in that universe. But they were playing like this whole like who who is it? And then he takes off the mask and it's Miles, and it's like, oh yeah, of course it's Miles. <laughs> well. <laughs> Like this wasn't it didn't feel like a secret. Like I think I think when he first talks to Uncle Aaron, he's literally talking about security cameras and like figuring out a crime. Like it's like that wasn't a secret, you know. But it's like they had yeah. to play it up because this was the end of part one. It's like, oh, Miles is, has an evil version. And that felt a little like multiverse of madness type of like multiverse stuff where it's like, oh my god, it's like evil Doctor Strange. It's like, no, mm-hmm. that's not that's not that interesting in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm done. That's all. I, that's all I had to rant about. Everything else I really liked about this movie. Yeah. And like, honestly, I kind of hope that. Um, I kind of hope that a lot of those issues are, or that those issues are alleviated a bit by the sequel movie. I don't know. I don't know exactly how they would be, but like, you know, um, if as long as like Miles and Miles feel more natural, and they would have to in a sequel because they're both big characters now like i feel like that'll be it'll be a lot easier to forgive if you know if you're able to like have the full story this is very exciting we'll see we'll see in 10 months i guess yeah thankfully it's only 10 months it's not like a it's not like 2025 or anything yeah that's why i'm very thankful this isn't like a dune situation (laughs) where they were like hoping they would get a second part um yeah yeah i don't know and it's like this i have doom part 2 is coming out like in like two years right i want to say it's the end of this year end of this year oh, okay cool yeah it's like november but i think okay that's like it the first one came out in like 2021 right 2020 i think maybe it was 2021 oh, okay. might have been 2021 might have been yeah. summer 2021 so uh the main thing I want to talk about first is like, what do you think of in general, the characters of this? And I think we've talked a little bit about Miles and Gwen already, but like this movie obviously has a lot of characters. Uh, what do you think of, uh, let's start with my, let's start with my favorite character, the spot. 
What did you think of the spot? Yes. The spot was really cool. I liked his uh his motivation. I like I mean who's he played by? Whoever played Jason him Schwartzman. Jason what what's he in? That sounds really funny. Uh in Scott Pilgrim, he was Gideon Graves. Oh. Oh he he was the guy in that really bad uh that really bad movie with Ben Stiller, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, uh the yeah, Mark yeah. The Mark Peace. He was Mark Peace. Yeah. Yeah. He really redeemed himself. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, this oh. was an incredible like the spot. This movie I don't the spot was a character who clearly existed. Like they didn't invent him out of thin air for this movie. But like he's one of those characters that every comic book has where like he's He's just some random villain of the week, basically. And they say that in the movie. And, like, I think that this movie alone will have elevated him to, like, an actual Spider-Man villain who you'll probably see comics about in the future. Yeah, I well, I remember the spot from uh, the 90s Spider-Man. He had a... I think he had one episode in that. Um, but I, I always thought the concept of the character was cool. And I was really happy to see they're bringing him back. And yeah, no, his, uh, I mean, the whole, like, I loved how we started goofy. Because honestly, like, the spot is a very, the concept of the spot is a very goofy uh, idea. And mm-hmm. I loved how they really, they really built, like, by the end of the movie, we don't even get that much time with him, honestly. Like, I'd say he's there in the first act, and then he kind of disappears, and he's mostly doing his own thing, right? Like, he doesn't interact with Miles too much. He kind of um, feels like he's being set up to be the main villain of the second one, where, like, in this movie, it kind of feels like the main villain is Spider-Man 2099, and the spot is there, like, building up, so that in the second movie, the spot is the main villain, and 2099 can be, like, the supporting villain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the build-up for him was great. I, I just really wanted to see more of him, the... Uh... The, the bank robbery at the start was really fun. And, um, and, but like, he's very equally terrifying by the end of it. And it's, it was cool to see his slow kind of ramp up in powers. Um, and like confidence too. Like, there's a very, there's a very obvious, uh, change in, in the flair of the way he acts when, when they're, when they're in Mumbaton. And, uh, I really, I really like, I thought that was very clever. Um, just character progression, just just through the way he was voiced, you know, and the way I he think moved, that, just felt more. Confident. Yeah, I think the way that Jason Schwartzman plays him is really. I think he just does such a really good job because the spot starts as a goofy character and becomes terrifying by the end. But like, he's having character progression. It's not that his character doesn't change, but like Jason Schwartzman is able to play that in a way that he's funny, but also he's. He's never, he always is taking himself, the character is always taking himself the same amount of serious the whole time. Like, even at the bank robbery, he's trying to be a serious villain doing a serious thing. He's just a goofball because he's not very good at it. And then by the end, he's like, yeah. And then by the end, he's become, you know, an interdimensional supervillain. So, yeah. Yeah, which is, uh, yeah, and he was, like, I, I loved how his art style kind of changed by the end, too, where he was, it's like he was drawn with crayon, right, by the end, which is, like, Yeah, it almost trippy. looked like sketches by the end. Yeah. But, like, um, really creepy sketches. 
Yeah, and I, 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 it's like it's like those like creepy in the horror movie like when like kids drawing like like the the dead bodies but like in crayon <laughs> like that kind yeah. of creepy you know what i mean mm-hmm. um yeah no he, he he was played really well and i'm excited i'm just i'm really excited to see him re like reconfront miles uh in the second part because yeah what we saw here was cool and i loved like the action choreography was was really cool with him mm-hmm. so yeah and he got a scene and he got one of my favorite scenes uh in the movie uh, he goes to a Lego universe and like causes a tiny bit of mischief, and then we get Lego Spider Man reporting, <laughs> reporting that yeah, he's been yeah. that he's seen an anomaly. Yeah, that was such a cool callback, and I love the, I I loved I loved how Miguel was like like you're the best, <laughs> like you're one of the you're best. one of our best. <laughs> I, I I actually I know you loved Miguel. Can you? Or t- Spider Man ninety nine? Can you tell oh, us the moment about he him? came on stream? I ha- the, the moment he came on screen, I hated him so much because, like, I think I've said it before on the show plenty of times. Like, one of my least favorite things in movies, especially in, in especially in movies, uh, it's, it's it comes up when talking about comic book movies a lot. Is when people are like, "This happened in the comics," and I'm so excited for them to adapt this from the comics, or like thinking back to other movies and like trying to piece together rigid canon of everything instead of just enjoying stories for what they are. Like people are allowed to enjoy stories in their own way, but it's just really frustrating for me when I have my way of enjoying stories. And I try to talk to someone about that way that I have enjoyed this story. And they're like, yeah. And I thought it was really cool how it called back to the comics. And I'm like, I don't care about the comics. I haven't read the comics. I don't want to talk about the comics. I want to talk about how this made me feel about my dad or whatever this movie was about. (laughs) And so like, um, the fact that and so spider-man 2099 they reveal it much later into the movie his main uh one of his main motivations is that every single thing in every spider-man's life must line up with certain canon events like every spider-man must have an uncle that died every spider-man must have a must be close to a police officer that dies every spider-man must be bitten by a spider and like I think we've even like talked a little bit about that in the first in Into the Spider-Verse, that theme kind of comes up, but it's framed very differently. Like in Into the Spider-Verse, what I really liked is that every Spider-Man, despite the fact that they had entirely different life experiences, were all Spider-Man. And like this movie, it was a movie about like, you know, Spider-Man doesn't necessarily mean being any one particular person. It just means being a good person in the way that Spider-Man would be a good person. And I think that like mm-hmm. what I liked about this movie is that the villain's motivation was that he had a specific idea of what Spider-Man is and like everyone has to line up with that. And I love that that's the villain because that's my least favorite thing in movies and in comic book movies specifically is when, you know, someone will be like, no, but in the comics, Dr. No, Mr. Fantastic is this and this is his relationship with Dr. Doom. So if they change that in the movies, well, they're not really adapting the comics at that point. And why should I even watch? Because it's bad. It's like, no, just pay attention to the story that's going on. Anyway, yeah. that's that's why I hated 2099 as a villain. Like I hated him in a good way. Like I hated him the way yeah, you're yeah. supposed to hate a villain. I thought that Oscar yeah. Isaac did a really, really good job of playing him as well um 
partially like in in no small part just because he played him really well as spider-man he was still he was still like like he he was still really funny i don't want to say he was that quippy because he wasn't but when people would like quip at him he could riff on it because he's still like funny spider-man kind of and he was also like menacing and his motivations as Spider-Man, not the specific motivation of everything must line up with the canon necessarily, but his motivations, when he's when we're learning who he is as a character, he's still someone who wants to like do the best for the world and he has his own idea of it. So he's still he is still Spider-Man. And Oscar Isaac still plays him as Spider-Man, not like Among Us imposter Spider-Man. He's like a real Spider-Man, and I Oscar Isaac is playing him that way, and I love that. I just think Oscar Isaac did a really good job as 2099. I thought he was, I thought he gave him like the menace that this character required for this movie. He like still gave him enough levity that he was the butt of the joke when he needed to be and otherwise could like still participate in jokes uh, without being like an extremely dour character exclusively, which also comes down a little bit to, I don't know if Lord and Miller's were, like the writers on this. Yeah, they were. Lord and Miller wrote this. And I, and this, it reminded me a little bit of their Lego Batman movie where like even the characters that are supposed to be really dour are really dour in like a funny way, like Batman in that Mm -hmm. movie. So like, I think it's, it's partially just their writing, but then they also like brought in a really good guy to do the job. And now I have ranted about 2099 for way too long. What do you think of Spider-Man 2099? Oh yeah, he was he was amazing. I, I I did I did like how, um, yeah he he played off really. I thought he had chemi- like he oddly had chemistry with like every Spider Man. <laughs> makes sense. Like mm-hmm. it was just cool how, I feel like every Spider Man is kind of quippy. He's he's very uh, down to earth, but he he'll he'll like play he'll he'll be like playful, but like not in a way where he he's realizing he's kind of being playful. If that makes sense. So it's it's all very in character. Like I love his banter with Peter and like the baby. Like that was really cute and stuff. And mm-hmm. even like I loved him. And I always I remember uh, like him and his assistant. Uh, like the I don't, I don't know is she real? Like is she just a hologram or? I mean, going on I there? think she's a hologram. Oh, okay. I um, I don't. Yeah, know I, I really. Is. I love that. I love how he's 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 genuinely like very frightening. Um, but also you can see there it comes from a a compassionate place, you know, like when we get his backstory, um, he's basically he's basically projecting onto Miles, right? It's like, mm-hmm. like don't make the same mistake I did, you know, which is a totally understandable thing to think. And I, I think his motivation makes sense. Like I, I feel like we're gonna we're gonna find we're gonna get a revelation of Either he's lying about like the web network or something, or uh, we're gonna find out that um, like these things can be changed. It's not like there, there is no canon or whatever. I, I thought that yeah. was a very cool term to describe it by, but yeah. I think like I mean the core of the canon and canon events in this movie is basically like the age old story of you know determinism versus can you like make your own destiny? And like, I think that it's, it's done in a way that is very specifically comic booky in this movie, 
and I think is like extremely necessary for a comic book movie because comic book movies, not by default, but just by the way that the industry has evolved to uh, when adapting comic books are sort of assumed, if not by default, they're a little deterministic. And I think that a movie, a, a comic book movie that are not deterministic. Is it deterministic that I'm thinking of? Kind of. Yeah. They're a little deterministic. They're like all they're They're adapting something that already exists usually. And like, yeah. I think that within comic books, within comic book movies, it's good to have a movie that like grapples with that idea because I honestly can't think yeah. of any other comic book movies that really grapple with that idea so far except maybe like infinity war and Endgame, which like not not in the same way mm-hmm. yeah but yeah I, I love it like it it feels a little meta without being like outrageously meta if that makes sense like i, I, yeah. I thought it was just like kind of a because this, this is obviously like, I, I think it's a very fan it's a fan made movie if that makes sense there's a lot of references that only really spider-man fans will get Mm-hmm. um there's a lot of there's actually this is, this is a lot more fan servicing movie in general there's a lot of cameos we had we had donald glover show up as what i'm guessing is potentially the mcu prowler uh yeah because he did have that role in spider-man um we had the venom scene which it's <laughs> like it felt a little bit like they were sony was like we need we need a scene in venom in here people love people love mrs chen and i i, I like <laughs> mrs chen it just felt like a very Felt like a very important cameo for, but like not also not really. What was I saying? So yeah, it, it's a very fan service movie. But yeah, I love I love that aspect of like like this is who Spider Man is, and like you said, it kind of ties into a lot. I think a lot of people, like you said, like have this idea of who Spider Man's supposed to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool that uh, they're kind of challenging that. They're taking that the idea they established in the first movie like further, right? Yeah, I I love that aspect. I, I'm excited to see how it resolves. I guess. So a lot of the things I'm just like I'm excited to see how it turns out in the future. But they they have they have a very good setup so far, and I think mm-hmm. I think in general I'm I'm really happy about how they're handling the multiverse stuff. Like they're they're still really pushing the boundaries of what they're doing. I I thought I thought tying in like animate like the the live action into the animation stuff was very bold, honestly, and I, I thought mm-hmm. it worked. Just because it felt, it felt like from a, a lot of those moments weren't like, like obviously they didn't have to be there, but like it, it helped, and it didn't feel like they these were like like when we saw Andrew Garfield, it didn't feel like a, like a, oh my god it's Andrew Garfield, it felt more like a, like this is true, like we've seen Spider Man lose Captain Stacy a lot of times. This is an example that you will remember if you've seen the Amazing Spider Man. And part of the reason the live action didn't feel out of place for me at all is because this movie has so many competing art styles that the live action just felt like a different art style. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought it worked well. And I, I really hope they expand more on, I was, I was kind of hoping to see a little more of that. I hope they expand on it more possibly in the third movie, but maybe that'd be mm-hmm. a bad thing too. I don't know yet. We'll see. Like, I hope, I don't want another, I don't necessarily want another scene in Lego Spider-Man universe, but I would love mm-hmm. another scene of that same type of character. That's like, mm-hmm. I thought for a second that Lego Spider-Man was going to be an integral character in the plot, that we were going to see him a lot more, but it was just like, it was like an extended cameo. 
And that's the kind of, and I would love another one of yeah. those in the third movie, you know, when it makes sense. I don't know, Plato Spider-Man or something. Probably not that yeah, one, but still. Cool. Yeah, and it didn't, it didn't feel like forced or anything like that. That was actually an important scene where they discover, they discover like he reports the spot, you know, and that gets the mm-hmm. the ball rolling on the rest of the plot, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I love that. And I, I really, yeah, I, I just want, I want to see them mixing trying trying more animation I, I was complaining about it before but i'd also love to see them experiment with it more uh with their animation techniques and not just animation but like you kind of like you know be cool to see like some stop motion stuff some maybe drawing like like crayon like kind of like they did with the spot with the crayon style um some live action stuff would be cool too they were they were, they were adding some i noticed like cgi uh characters like i think scarlet i think just was jessica drew jessica drew is kind of animated like you would animate like a a video game character in the early 2000s i want to say at some points or maybe that was just the world i can't remember and then um, like when they showed ben riley he was very like borderlands or extremely cell shaded in a way that was very oh, different yeah. from the other characters yeah yeah, and it n- never felt like yeah. Again, n- none of these cameos ever felt like they were, uh, like just shoved in there. They all they all felt like they they came from a, a good place that really loves these characters because uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I, I think that 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 just adds to the tone. Like I I think the biggest thing I love is that with the multiverse stuff, it feels like they're really. This feels like. A, a, an even bigger love letter to spider-man you know it's connecting all these different things and this feels like like <laughs> compared to like the other i feel like the mcu and sony there's like this this kind that of, you can feel there's like problems with the storytelling because you know i like spider-man can't be in a lot of marvel things the M- the sony stuff can't bring a lot of marvel characters in um and they have venom and stuff but this feels like a true love of spider-man where they bring they're bringing all these separate branches together in a way and uh it's just really wholesome yeah it's it gives off like the same kind of vibes as uh the other christopher lord and uh other lord miller movie lego batman movie where one of the villains was literally sauron from the lord of the rings it's like they could just do that because they yeah. <laughs> the, the rights existed and they were like oh what if we just throw this in who cares yeah it's fun it adds a little a little oomph um mm-hmm. I, I it's unfortunate that the lego franchise i think the re- lego franchise could have been uh pretty like the pretty equ- as equally as successful as the spider-man movies if part two didn't come out like five years later maybe or something and part two yeah. maybe was better too i don't know i remember part two not being as good as the first one at least so yeah um yeah I, I, what other i'm trying to think of another character that oh, was really good wait. oh would you... oh go ahead i was gonna say we got to talk about indian spider-man what do you think of uh yeah I, got, I gotta get his name right pavitir prepakar indian spider-man Pavitir. he was really cool i loved i loved how uh he, he just he, i thought he had a lot of chemistry with everyone he fit right in mm-hmm. and i love the i love the the indian references to chai tea um i know i know a lot of like yeah (laughs) non-bread i know that's like a very that's a very like big uh pet peeve uh 
for some people and uh i thought that was really funny and yeah he i, I thought he he fit right in he he felt more seemed like spider punk to me felt a little well i love spider punk spider punk felt like i still didn't feel like he fit in necessarily you know he, he felt a little shoved in no i don't want to say shoved in i don't know i thought i thought the mumbaton spider-man came in very organically if that makes sense um yeah it was just playing with the punches. I, I think Spider Punk came in. I mean, I think it might just be a a subconscious thing because his art style is so different to all the other characters in that group that when he came in, uh, he he didn't fit right in. But he also didn't have as much time with the other characters. To be fair, too. So, and it definitely helps that like we got to see Mumpatin. Like, I don't know where Spider Punk, yeah. what Spider Punk's like world is called, but we didn't get to see it. And like. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we would animate. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think we should have seen it. Like I don't think it was important to this story, but because we didn't have that extra context, he feels more like a side he he's feels like a side character, which he is. He's just a really important side character that it would have been nice to like learn a little more about. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh Mumbatan Spider-Man was was really fun. I loved his were they bangles? I want to say like I'm trying to remember. They looked like I the think same so. thing from from Miss Marvel, uh, where, he, where he was like using them to spin his webs, or they had permanent webs on them, or something, and he would use them to like grapple yeah. on the things. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved those. I think um, so. I think like thematically, he was really, really important, and I loved the way they worked him in thematically. And I'll talk about that in a second, but like. He was also played by uh, Karan Sony, who I've seen in a few things. And, like, he's a really, really funny actor. And he, this is the first role I've seen him in where he gets to just be off the wall energetic, which I think he did really well in because, you know, I'm, I'm used to him in Deadpool where he's, he's a yeah. wacky character, but he's very, like, low, he's, he's mostly pretty low key. He's, like, he doesn't mm -hmm. he's he's a supporting character to Deadpool who is as off the wall as they come. So like he has to be a lot more reserved. Where in this he was like I mean he played it like he was 16 years old because he probably was 16 years old in universe. And like I can't remember if he said yeah. his age exactly, but he was like very he would not shut up. He was like extremely fast talking and he was constantly like fitting in extra words and quips where he was already finished talking. Um, and he was just like all over the place. He like kept up with everyone. Yeah. Well, I, I just loved, I loved how perfect his life was too. <laughs> there was mm -hmm. like, like the references to like, like how he, yeah, like he has like, when he, he doesn't do any workouts in the morning cause he's like, has an amazing body like naturally and like, the the girlfriend the girlfriend i guess no is he dating that girl i can't remember i in, couldn't like fully tell in, in his full identity okay but I, I i guess i just loved how like everything seemed to be going good for this spider-man at least and it's it's fun to see the the contrast of you know sometimes spider-man's life sucks sometimes sometimes it, it works out pretty well you know so yeah i, I like that aspect a lot and I think, like, thematically, he was really cool because, um, well, one, it was it was actually just a nice, just nice to be able to see them all do something in one universe 
that field a little bit self con- that, that felt a little bit self-contained. Like they went into Mumpatton and when they left Mumpatton, they didn't really go back. Like it affected things afterwards, but that was pretty much just like his segment of the movie and he'll be back in the sequel. And then we're like done with that mm. for now. So it felt like it felt like a side adventure, a very important side adventure, but it didn't feel like we were like languishing in there. Um, yeah. But also I thought like the, the thing that I thought was like really thematic and interesting about him is when they get in, Miles is like just complaining about how he's never been invited to the spider society. And mm. uh Gwen, Gwen tells him it's a very elite group. Like only a few people even get invitations. Like not even anybody, everybody knows about this. They go there. Pavatir starts like telling his story, his Spider-Man story. He's like, all right, let's do this one more time story. And he talks about how he's been Spider-Man for six months. And like, yeah. <laughs> he's already a member of the spider society. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. I thought that was I, like, I love, it was, it was some good foreshadowing at least. Well, there's one other, I'll maybe, I, I don't know. I just, I love this character. And I, I think he had a good, uh, I mean, his, I think that that character beat was important in Mamba 10 where uh, his girlfriend or potential girlfriend, I don't know. And the police chief are saved. I, I, I mean, it, it shows, a, it, make, it makes a lot of sense that he would join Gwen to save Miles. Because uh, I think we see him at the end, right? It's him yeah. and Gwen. We see Peter Porker, uh, Spider-Man Noir is back, I think, right? And yep. regular Peter B. Parker's back. Was was Spider-Punk there? Uh, I saw Penny Parker and Spider-Bite. I don't remember Spider-Punk. Okay. Wait, what did you say Spider-Bite? Uh, she, she was the woman that was, like, working on the computers in the Spider Society. Oh, the... Was the hologram, the hologram For- one? She oh, wasn't. VR she one, wasn't right? like the little hologram assistant. She was the hologram Spider Man. Yeah, that's actually. I love that moment she had with Miles, where like she she basically let Miles go, right? And mm-hmm. I don't remember. Like a part of me is kind of like I don't really know why she would trust Miles in that instance to let him go. Like I don't know if there was a build up to that, but there was. I I thought that moment that them looking at each other just felt like it told a lot. If that makes sense, even though. It wasn't built up to, from what I remember, I, it might have been. It kind of felt like to me at the near nearing the climax when Miles has his falling out with 2099. It's sort of, it's, there's so many Spider-Man or Spider-People around who just like get really quiet, it seems like. And maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I think that like a part of that is so many of them, I mean, Peter Peter B. Parker is the one who actually verbalizes it. I don't remember exactly what he says, but he's the one that actually comments on it. Like, so many of them, they basically think that Miles is right and feel that Miles is the one that they would, like, agree with because he wants to save everybody. But also, 2099 has, like, shown them that universes unravel when you don't follow the sacred timeline as Marvel calls it in the MCU. So like, Mm -hmm. so it's like a lot. So anytime, you know, when spider bite, like lets him get away, that's kind of what I'm thinking is she's probably like, well, she doesn't want to go against 2099, but also miles is the one that she's like, he's, I like him. I like his outlook on life more. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I, uh, yeah, but yeah, that that moment I thought between them was really touching, and it's cool. I I guess I, it's nice to see that they they built that up because mm -hmm. honestly, when I when I saw her, I thought she was just kind of like another kind of cute reference character. I didn't know she'd have like such an important moment like that. So, oh, like the what would you think of the parents? The parents were were I guess a pretty big part of the first act. Yeah, they. I I like those performances again. Um, like I said, uh, when I went to see this. The first time I, our, when, when we went in, our theater had to stop the whole thing after about, I don't remember exactly how long it was. I thought it was about an hour, but I don't know how much of previews I was counting in that. So like, mm -hmm. it was probably a little under an hour. Um, so when I actually watched the movie, I kind of like didn't care to see the parents that much because I'd already seen them earlier that day and I wanted to get past that part. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like I don't know, I don't know like they were they were good. I felt like this movie has a really long intro. I mean, you already said it with Gwen, mm -hmm. but I feel like it's like the the intro to this movie is Gwen and then the fight with the spot and then the thing with the parents and then it, like it doesn't really get going until they get to Mumpatton, which is about an hour into yeah. the movie, which like is fine yeah. for a 4-hour movie. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's like I was planning on rewatching this movie a lot. Um, I think stuff like that just kind of throws it in the way. Like I loved all the parents stuff. Like I thought it was really cool. I love that speech Miles like Miles' mom gives him, uh, mm -hmm. and I love the kind of progression of you know the the character arcs from the first movie. Uh, yeah, I I think it's a big chunk of the movie, and it's definitely like very heavy and not too like fun and exciting. Um, but because because it's a part one movie, it, it is very long and uh, it'll make a lot more sense once we see the full thing, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like, you know, normally we would wrap this up with a rating. But I mean, you already said you didn't really want to give it a rating earlier. And I think that like, I'm almost going to just, I'm not going to commit to it, but I'm going to say that like, it's very likely that our episode on the second one of these, like, or I guess the third, Beyond the Spider-Verse, is just going to be a little longer than this, and then we'll, like, give the full thing a rating. Makes more sense to me. Yeah, like, I don't know. There's, there's just really no... There's no point. We don't really have a, a movie here, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, that's basically my review. I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm disappointed that this wasn't a, a complete movie in its own right, because I'd love to be able to judge it um, and enjoy it as much as possible but I, I really can't enjoy it as much as i'd like and i can't uh really commend it yet because we only have half a story so yeah there's a lot to like here you said it earlier uh that i really liked this movie i did but like even though there's a lot to like it feels like we don't since we don't have the full thing yet i don't know you know I don't know what to I don't know what to say yet because like I'm not gonna say this movie's five stars and then come back and the second half is ass and say this movie's one star <laughs> like I wouldn't want to watch this one without the second one given the opportunity which obviously I don't have now but like if the if the next movie is bad that's gonna affect what I think of this one because this is the first half of that movie like it's not a different movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So far, a lot of what I like is like the potential of what they're setting up. Mm -hmm. um, but like, if I if I was to like, I can't really base a 
like it's it's tough to be like Miles had no character arc in this movie, but then also like it's because it's not <laughs> it's not his full character arc. So yeah, exactly. He hasn't hit that moment where he has to change. So um, it, I don't think it's fair either way for me to be like this was a good idea or this was a bad idea. So yeah, we'll just we'll wait and see and we'll, we'll give the full review. Uh, I really I really hope they're doing like they're doing part one and part two showings in theaters like when this comes out when the next one comes out because i i like i feel like i need that like i can't i i i need to watch it back to back i can't like watch it one day and then the second part another day i feel like it still doesn't work i mean like if they're if they're not doing a back-to-back showing like that and i i really hope they are because that's the way that i would like to experience it you know by this point by that time that beyond the spider-verse comes out this will be on probably Netflix. I don't think these go to Disney plus, but like what I'll end up doing is I'll watch this and then go to the theater. So like, it's going to be possible. It would be better to just sit in the theater all day for that one though. That's, that's across the spider verse. That's it. That's across the spider verse. Uh, We'll see you all again in, Oh wait, no, I gotta, we gotta announce the last word. I can't just say it. I can't just do that. Um, Jeff, what's the last word? I was going to say, we'll see you all again in 2099.